Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, you're listening to Hawks Live, live here at the Snoqualmie Casino. We're here at 7 o'clock during the football season every Thursday night, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And we're joined by Paul Moyer. Michael Bumpus. Uh, later on the show, we're going to get an opponent's preview from Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. We'll talk on the phone with wide receiver Malik Turner. We'll talk to John Clayton. Kind of go through uh, some of the things that have been happening as far as transactions this week. Go inside the film room with three big plays from the Saints game. And then also Shaquille Griffin will be with Taylor Jacobs getting interviewed and either schooling him in a video game or getting schooled. We'll see what happens there. But before we get going, guys, let's recap. And, you know, all three of us were on the, the post-game show. And by the time I had gotten there, you guys were had pretty much decided what you thought happened in that Saints game. It's kind of hard calling the game, you know, when I'm up there looking at all those different, you know, things that happen and keeping track of what happened. I know, Paul, I was of your line of thinking, and uh, I know that you're a, a uh, Chuck Knox uh, student of the game. <laughs> so, uh, every, every game comes down to three to five plays, and that was kind of the side you were on. I know there was others that were on the side of, well, the Seahawks got dominated, but yeah, yeah I'm yeah. kind of more on the three to five play you know, result there. That's what uh, that's what happened. That's what got them on Sunday. Yeah, I don't even understand the we got dominated story. We got dominated in that we were down twenty-seven to seven. But there's reasons for that, and I, I don't want to make excuses, and I don't want to come as this Homer, you know, viewpoint either. But when you go back and look at the game, it really did come down to five plays, six plays that came down. It was about thirty-three point swing. And, you know, obviously the punt return is seven points. The fumble return is seven points. Um, we go for it on fourth and one on, on the 40-yard line, 42-yard line. We don't get it. They go down and score. You know, if, if we get that first down, it's, it's I don't know, 14 to 10, 14 all at halftime. It's a completely different game. We jump right into the third quarter, very first drive. They get a long field goal. He comes up short. He missed it. it we should have got the ball at the 42-yard line down 20 to 7, you know, able to get some momentum back. Instead, we line up a veteran guy in a in covering the center, which is an automatic penalty first down for them. They score a touchdown. It's it's 27-7. There are two more fourth down plays in the game. Actually, three of them that we don't convert on. If we convert on these fourth and ones or kick field goals on fourth and five, long story short, these six plays add up to 33 points. Yeah, and I don't know if you had this one in there too, but also a non-uniform player on the field, 15-yard penalty. Yeah, that wasn't, that Instead was of having that at the 33, they're at the 48. They end up stalling that drive at the 13-yard line. So that's that the way another. you saw it, Michael? I see it as like there were plays where as a coach and as a player, there's a play that happens and you go, man, I hope that doesn't bite us in the butt later. Yeah. You know, and then that pump return, it bites you in the butt later. And then the illegal formation, it bites you in the butt later. That player coming out uh, on the sideline, it bites you in the butt later. And it was, it was almost like we compiled so many, I hope that doesn't bite you in the butt later, that it forced us to be a team that we really didn't want to be. Now, we show that we're capable of throwing the ball 50 times and, and being successful, but that's not really our game plan and what we want to do. So the I hope that doesn't bite us in the butt later plays mm. happened like three or four times, and it bit us in the butt. We ran out of time. And the, but the encouraging thing is that 
Uh, we still got it close. We still haven't lost in double digits and I don't know how long. Um, Russell still showed he can drive the ball down the field and score. But you can't make that many mistakes in a football game and expect to win a game. You just can't expect it. Well, and you guys know this. You know, the turnover battle's critical. And we don't count fourth down. Go, you know, you lost on downs as a turnover. But we had three of them in that game. We had one in the 40-yard line. We had one in our own 28-yard line. And then uh, I can't remember the other one. There was another fourth down. And we didn't convert on three of those. Those are three turnovers at that situation, throwing the punt return and the fumble return, that's five turnovers. People don't think about that. Yeah. And when you go and look at the game, can we play better? No question. I mean, you know, again, the, the offensive line, we got to get better at what we're doing, at least from a consistency standpoint. You're always going to, you're never going to play perfect, but we're just having too many breakdowns. It felt like a little bit like last year, early in the season, where just, it was one guy here, one guy there. Defensively, I, honestly, guys, I, we didn't tackle well. And Kamara, Say the name because I'm, I'm Alvin I'm, Kamara. Kamara, I did say it right. Yeah. Um, he is, if he's not the best running back, he's certainly top two or three. I mean, he is that good. You cannot arm tackle him. And people, and there's, and I mean, in the last 10 years, I don't know if fans and certainly guys on the radio dogging the Seahawks as hard as I've seen them being dogged for this loss. We didn't play horrible, we just did not make any key plays in that game. And you're down 27 to 7, and now it's a battle the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, I, I thought part of it that made it feel ugly, and maybe this is why fans overreacted, is because of the missed tackles. I mean, yeah. you haven't seen this defense miss tackles, but <laughs> Pete kind of had the same attitude that I had anyway. I was more in awe of Alvin Kamara than yeah. I thought, oh gosh, that's awful tackling. And one of the guys, one of the bright spots for the Seahawks, uh, K.J. Wright's having his best year uh, so far. You know, it's only three games in, but I didn't see him miss any tackles on Kamara. But that is one of those things that makes it feel like you got beat up physically when you see guys, and we're just not used to that around here. It, with Bobby Wagner, with the Bobby Wagner supposedly had one missed tackle last yeah. year. I feel like the defense was trying to deliver a blow instead of secure the tackle. Yeah. They, they were trying to... Uh, identify themselves as a hard-hitting, you know, roughneck-type defense when we don't really need them to be that. You know, just wrap up and make the tackle. I remember there, on that one play, Kamar made up the sideline where three or four guys missed. McDougal could have tackled him, wrapped him up, but he went for the blow. And I look at Kamar, 5'10", 215. He's about my size plus about 30 pounds. You look <laughs> at him and you, and you think, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to knock this dude out, you know, because he's not a 6'2", he's not a 6'1". So I think the visual of Kamara kind of influences defense to think they can hit him up top. Man, that's one of the best running backs in the league. You just got to wrap him up and just secure the tackle, and I, I think I think we got away from that. You know, you we, got, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just saying, what, what was so impressive to me, and this is where I'm going to give uh, New Orleans credit, man, um, Sean Payton, what he does to get mismatches, and you watch how they, they moved him around. You know, there were screens, a bunch of screens. I, I you know, text you guys. They only had six passes where the ball traveled over 10 yards in the air. Mm -hmm. Six. They had two completions. Four of them were incomplete. Everything else was a screen. There was a uh, Kamara into the flat. He would come out of the backfield and run a hitch. They would move him around and try and get him isolated on a guy that they thought he could beat. It just goes to show you, man, you don't have to throw that ball downfield all day long. You just get guys open in space, and they did that. And so, that's you know. What, that's what the Seahawks are trying to do with Chris Carson. Let me ask you two coaches yeah. about Chris Carson. What do you do with Chris Carson? Because 
You know, and that was so disappointing, and I thought that was maybe the biggest tide turner there because he had fallen down two or three times. Uh, and then, you know, he had a minus four, a two-yard gain, a one-yard gain, a three-yard gain. He breaks a 25-, 30-yard run, beautiful, and fumbles at yeah. the end, and it's a touchdown. And they've already fumbled the total number of times that they've fumbled all last year. What do you do with a guy like Chris Carson? Because, you know, that's your guy. He's your main guy. You know he's good, but you don't want to discourage him, but you also can't not punish him for fumbling, right? I think I think you identify the problem, but you got to love him up. He's, he's going to hear from the media. He's going to hear from TV, radio, whoever's, whoever's talking about the Seahawks. He's going to hear about it, and you have to address it because it is, it is becoming a problem. I don't think it is a problem. You have to address it, but then you got to move on and act like it's business as usual because if you, if you pay too much attention to that problem, it becomes a bigger problem, in my opinion. Then he's thinking about it a little too much. I, if I... If Chris Carson is a professional, I think he's seeking out advice from other running backs. He's seeking out advice from people that he trusts. As a coaching staff, I think it's your job to build him up and still give him the carries and, and instill belief in him. Because once a guy thinks you don't believe in him, then he stops believing in himself, and it's a snowball effect. Well, they better believe in him because he, I believe in him. He's legit. He's not a fumbler. He didn't fumble in college. He didn't fumble last year. And I really believe the whole social media and just the you know how much we jump on the Seahawks, you know, and just the day to day, you know, talk radio, it makes it bigger than it is. Because if this was thirty years ago, you know, a head coach says, "Hey, you know, look, you're not a fumbler. You're not a fumbler. Look, you you had some that one, you know, your arm got outside when you started to fall. You can't do it. You still got to keep it tucked in. You're not a fumbler." You're the best running back we got. We believe in you. It's not a big deal. But now everybody starts talking about it, and it gets in your brain. I'm more worried about him going, am I a fumbler now? Yeah. No, no, you're not. Well, a coach has always been, Pete Carroll has always been good at coaching guys to what he wants them to be. And yeah. so I'm sure he's going to be very positive. We'll get a chance to talk about the Cardinals and what you guys are seeing from from Kyler Murray, uh, their, their first pick of the draft that's running their offense. But – Let's go down to uh, to Arizona. We'll talk to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Get a preview of the Cardinals. That's next, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live at the Snoqualmie Casino. Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, and Michael Bumpus. And right now we're joined by Darren Urban from cardinals.com darren i feel like i've talked to you like 20 times over the last 14 15 years doing the the pre and post game and it's always good to hear from you how you doing i'm doing good how are you guys it's good it's we're great it's good to hear your voice and i'm sure you're probably uh been asked most about kyler murray and and right now there's a lot of comparisons between him and russell wilson and what is that conversation occurred down there because i know up here a lot of people have talked about how russell wilson has sort of uh blazed the way for shorter more mobile quarterbacks and uh that may be one of the reasons why kyler murray was drafted number one what's the conversation been has it been any different this week getting ready to play a quarterback like russell wilson I mean, I think it's a little different just because, you know, now the Seahawks and, and Russell Wilson are coming here, and obviously it's right in front of everybody. But clearly uh, the Wilson comparisons pretty much 
started, I mean, quite frankly, even before Murray was drafted here, I mean, there was a lot of talk of whether the Cardinals would take him or not. But even back at the Combine, I remember conversations about, you know, Russell Wilson being a potential comp for Kyler Murray. And obviously a lot of that has to do with the height thing in the five foot ten and and in this league if you're you're not well into your six over six feet it's it's always been tough for people to want that and I do think Russell Wilson has kind of blazed a little bit of a trail there there's no question um Russ, uh, Kyler Murray has a long way to go to to even be in the same breath as Russell Wilson and I think everybody understands that but when you when you look at them it's it's not just the height it's also the kind of the the, the type of game um, I think Kyler Murray is can be a very good passer. Eventually, as he learns this game, he clearly has the ability to get around and, and move and scramble. And we all know that Russell Wilson has done a ton of that. And in fact, once the Cardinals drafted Kyler Murray, that was the first thing on a lot of people's minds, including myself. I mean, I've covered this team uh, for a long time and obviously for the duration of Russell Wilson's career and watching him twice a year to, to think that the Cardinals might have a quarterback that could do some of the things that Russell Wilson has done to the Cardinals uh, is is something I think is, is very important because clearly uh, this team has watched Russell Wilson break their heart a, a million times in terms of having a play where you thought you had taken care of it and then all of a sudden he makes some magic happen and it'd be nice for the Cardinals if they could get a little of that themselves. Well, and people have asked me, Darren, this week about uh, about the comparisons with with Russell Wilson. I'll say one thing. The path is definitely different. Russell, a third-round draft choice. He was brought in here to be kind of a game manager for a really good running team, a really good defense. And he threw the first three games, I looked it up, he threw the ball 25 times on average. <laughs> Kyler Murray, I mean, they traded up to get him. He's the number one pick. I understand that they changed some of the terminology to make it more simple for him. Uh, as getting a rookie up to speed, and he's throwing it 45 times a game. How is he handling uh, being just the absolute centerpiece of that offense? Well, I mean, Kyler Murray, I, I think he, in a lot of ways he was built to be the, a number one pick and to, to be in the spotlight. I mean, this is a guy who, since he was a sophomore in high school in Texas, has been playing in front of big crowds. Now, obviously not NFL-sized crowds, but even in, in high school, he was playing in front of 20,000, 25,000 people uh, on Fridays. And again, if you're a sophomore in high school and doing that uh, on the varsity level, that's that's something different than a lot of people have. And he's been a superstar in baseball as well. Obviously, we all know that he was a high draft pick in that sport as well. So I think uh, mentally and just the way he was brought along, I think there was no problem with him being in the middle of it. Now, in terms of throwing the ball all the time, again, you're talking about a guy who played at Oklahoma, did a ton of that in college for last year anyways. And, you know, the whole point of what Cliff Kingsbury has been brought in to do is is, is to have a lot of that college type offense and, and see if it'll work on this level now if they hadn't uh, gotten off to some bad starts those first couple games I think the idea is they'd like to run the ball a little bit more than they have they found themselves behind too often uh, in these first three weeks so I, I think that's that's part of it but you know if you watch the tape uh, you know especially last week when the Panthers decided to kind of play a zone and, and make the Cardinals go length of the field and not let anything get behind them. I mean, a lot of those passes end up being basically extended handoffs um, because they're just throwing short passes and trying to see if guys will 
you know, get some yards after the catch. So I think it's it's not quite, you know, if you were, let's say, Ben Roethlisberger dropping back and throwing 45 times a game. It's a, it's a little bit different because of the offense they run. But I do think Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray is, is built to handle all this. And, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're hoping for some success. And if he's throwing this often, he's, he's definitely going to speed up his learning curve. That's for sure. Hey, Darren, I want to talk about Kyler Murray's uh, confidence. In high school, he didn't lose too many games, if any, I I believe. In in college, he didn't lose too many games. And he's come out, he's had a slow start as far as the team aspect goes. Do you see his confidence wavering any, or or is this the same guy who walked into the building as far as confidence day one? No, I don't. When you talk about confidence, I don't think that's wavered at all. Now, is he? Is he having to deal with, okay, this is what I feel like when I lose? Yeah, I think there's been some of that for sure. He said this week, you know, when somebody asked him about how he's dealing with the losses, he goes, look, I, I have to stay optimistic. I have to stay positive. I'm the quarterback. It doesn't. I can't be walking around with my head down, and I think he completely understands that. I, I do think he's been a little bit frustrated. Uh, last week he, he definitely was frustrated later in that game. It was – you know, the defense did not have a good game, and every time the Cardinals did something offensively, the, the defense went and gave something up right away. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals had 20 points through two possessions of the second uh, or the second half, so it's not like they weren't scoring, but because the defense couldn't score, uh, stop the Panthers themselves, uh, then Kyler Murray tried to force the throw. It got intercepted. There might have been some miscommunication. The Panthers went right down and scored again, and then all of a sudden it's a 15-point game, and you could tell that the Panthers were just waiting for that to happen. The Panthers have a very good four-man pass rush, and, and then it was pretty much all over. Then then they were just pinning their ears back, and they were coming hard, and it, and it made it very difficult. But early in that game, I thought Kyler Murray was fine. and So confidence-wise, I think he's – he believes this offense is going to work. He obviously can't play defense, but I don't think that's been hurt at all. Now, the question is, is if they lose a few more games, especially the first half of the season, how does he kind of deal with that? Can he turn the season into about just learning uh, the position and knowing that you're going to have to start thinking about next year, or is he going to let it eat at him? I don't, I don't think his own confidence in how he plays is going to get hurt, but just the overall – around the team I, I think is something he's going to have to make sure he deals with i'll tell you what that's something i have over kyler murray i know how to lose damn it my sophomore year at stanford we were one and ten my last year with the seahawks we were two and 14 so you know i got that going for me yeah sorry i was a sun devil we we were 10 and 2 and 10 and 2 so i was we were good um this is really a a fascinating team right now you know just with the whole you know bringing a college coach in and you know bringing murray in who's who's small and stuff but you know i watched that first half against carolina they he looked good i think he's going to be a very good quarterback but 16 sacks so is that is that you know i'm sure there's a lot of talk on that is that is that offensive line or is that a rookie quarterback just knowing not when to get rid of the football I think it's a little of everything. You know, uh, Tom Clements is the passing game coordinator here, and he said today that, you know, they went through this a little bit with Aaron Rodgers when he was in Green Bay, and which is you get a guy that can move in. And quite frankly, you guys have seen this with Russell Wilson. Uh, when you get a guy who can move around and turn nothing into something and knows he can turn nothing into something, there are going to be absolutely times when he's trying to turn nothing into something and it turns into an even bigger nothing. 
And, uh, you know, I've seen that happen against the Cardinals a few times. Russell Wilson's trying to run away. You think, oh, if he just throws this ball away, they're going to be in much better shape. And instead, he's trying to do more stuff, and all of a sudden he's getting dragged down for an 11-yard loss. That's absolutely happened a handful of times already with Kyler Murray. Uh, there's been a couple other times when, because he can run so well, I think he, especially last week, I thought there was a couple times he could have waited a little bit longer in the pocket to try and find something. And instead, he saw when he didn't see something right away, he tried to make something happen with his legs. Somebody's tripping him, so it's like a, a two-yard sack. You know, nothing horrible, but he was trying to run, and he gets caught behind the line of scrimmage. Um, there's definitely been some bad offensive line play on a couple of plays, and he's he's run out of time. But when you start looking at 16 sacks in three games, there's been a little of everything. And I, I think – I think a lot of that will get better with time and as he kind of learns the game. And, you know, on, on an even more basic scale, I mean, I watched him in the first game and he tried to get around the corner on a scramble a couple times and he ran out of bounds after a short loss, which is a sack. And I just think he hadn't fully understood yet that, okay, I'm not at Oklahoma anymore. I'm not always going to just be able to get the edge on a defensive pass rusher. Uh, some of these guys are going to be able to get the angle on me, and I, it's going to be tougher. And I think all that stuff he's learning. And, uh, you know, there's no question their offensive line isn't a great offensive line, but I, I think when they're in games and doing what they need to do and not just trying to come from behind, I think the offensive line has been okay. Um, but he's going to have to learn to do some of these other things to help out the offensive line in terms of these sacks. Hey, Darren, we really appreciate you joining us. Great info, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday. I right, appreciate it. Thank you. There he goes, Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a Seahawk player, Seahawk wide receiver, Malik Turner. That's right here next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Snoqualmie Casino. It's Hawks Live. Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer, and we're here every Thursday night during the season right here on 710 ESPN at 7 o'clock. And right now we're joined by Malik Turner on the phone. Malik, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? We're doing great, man. Uh, tell us how the season's going for you this year. You know, I, uh, I watched you running routes out during, uh, out during camp. I thought you looked really crisp. You really stood out. Did, tell us how this year felt because you've gotten a couple catches, gotten in a couple of games, and you were in a few last year. But did, did this year feel a little bit different for you? Um, yes, um, it felt very different. You know, I feel uh, like I'm more involved this year. You know, I feel more comfortable from um, the offensive playbook to doing things on special teams, and I feel like um, I'm able to contribute in places where the team needs me. So, um, you know, it feels really different, and I'm, I'm very grateful to be in the position that I'm in. Yeah, let me ask you this, Malik, because all three of us here um, that you're going to hear from played, played in the NFL, and I, I know for me it was like when I stopped thinking, you know, and I was just able to, it was all of a sudden like, wow, I'm back in college, just making plays. Uh, you went to University of Illinois. Did, did, did you ever get to a point, is that kind of how you felt? Because that's how I felt. Like, I didn't have to think anymore. I just kind of turned my brain off and went out and reacted. Are you saying for right now or in uh, college? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying now, for right? now. Like, is that is that kind of how you feel? Like, you've gotten to a point where you don't have to think about things and you just go out and play. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, um, I'm really just having fun. When you're having fun and, you know, you're, you're gentle with all the guys, you know, and it's just that's all it really is. You don't think and you're just able to do the things that you do in practice and, you know, it's perfect. It's fun that way. Hey, Malik, I'm a Southern Cal kid, and I, I got recruited by Illinois, Champaign, Illinois. I went on a recruiting trip there. That is a beautiful campus. And you being from Springfield, Illinois, was that, was that the school you always wanted to go to? It wasn't the school I always wanted to go to, but it ended up being the best choice for me and for my family. You know, just I'm living like an hour and a half down the road. It was just a great choice. And the campus is very beautiful. My senior year, I, I literally started walking around just to see things I never saw and uh, just taking it all in. But it really is a special place. Yeah, I was there one. Uh, God, they actually had a fantastic basketball team. That was a, a crazy campus just for for basketball. And it was snowing. It was like one, it was one of the most surreal settings. But being a Southern Cowboy, it, it once I saw the snow, I said, ah, I don't know if I can handle this here. <laughs> it was a little cold, but, but, but pretty special place, that's for sure. Hey, Malik, how would you get involved with yeah. the rare disease um, concept? You know, I, I have a, a son who has a, a rare disease, so um, tell me about that and, and, and how that connects to you. Yeah, um, so in a college, um, live for life, the athletes and nonprofit organizations, and they go to a lot of different colleges, and that's all. First was just uh, uh, doing uh, lifting events to raise awareness for rare diseases, and so that's what it was at first. But then I did um, um, lift like uh, reps for rare diseases for my combine, and you know I kind of didn't do too much after that. But when I got to the NFL, you know everybody was doing things that impacted somebody or the community or something and so for me i was like like what what do i have what can i do you know with my platform and so you know i reached out to the organization and i just tried to keep on um expanding off of it meeting different people and uh it's something i think i'm going to continue to do for sure and meeting meeting the people face to face that are affected by rare diseases you know it really connects me in that way just putting the um just putting the face with everybody, you know, getting personal with everybody. And so I think it's something I'll really stick with. What's the locker room? I don't want to say locker room. What's the, the meeting rooms now for you guys? I mean, you lose Doug Baldwin. He's a strong personality, a strong leader. Um, who, who's taking that role? I'm assuming Lockett, you know, just because of his experience. But what's the difference between your meeting rooms now as wide receivers compared to last year? Um, um, not, not, um, yeah, does gone, but you know, the same ex- expectations, you know, um, we have good leaders over that remain in the room and Jerron Brown and Tyler Lockett. And so, you know, we, we come in, we handle our business, you know, and we have fun. We're all brothers, but, um, yeah, we're still, still, still getting the, um, what we need to do done. All right, Malik, I'm, I'm going to ask you this cause you got a linebacker, a safety, and in between us, a receiver. Why are wide receivers such divas? <laughs> I don't know. I think it just you, comes Malik. with the title. It just comes with it. I kind of okay. like that all over. I think it just <laughs> comes with it, you know. 
behind QBs, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say this. I think it's probably frustrating being a receiver because you can run a perfect route, you'd be wide open, but if the quarterback doesn't put the ball there or the offensive line doesn't give it – in other words, your job depends on a lot of other people having success, right? And that can be frustrating. I mean, yeah, it can, but it's so much sweeter when everything clicks. And that's the beauty about football. You know, it's a team sport, and you practice so much. You put so much time in, and you get it down to where you don't have those miscues. And when everybody's doing what they need to do, you know, everybody's balling, everybody's making plays, and everything looks good. So it tends to happen that way more than the other way, (laughs) you know. Hey, Malik, I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh, man. You had three catches for 54 yards and a long of 30. And as soon as you caught that ball and you had your run after catch, I look at one of my guys, I say, hey, Malik is here. Was that a moment? Was that game a moment that kind of changed your perspective in yourself? Um, Or have you just had the same approach every week? Like, look, I'm a baller, and this is what I'm here to do. We lost. Competing. And so in practice, you know, I practice like I play. And so when I get to the game, nothing's different. So that's what that's what I do, really. And, you know, uh, Russ, Russ got me the ball. You know, he trusts me. And so it was it was no more than what we do in practice. And Nick Vanette had a good block, and it got me out to the outside. So, yeah. Oh, you mentioned Nick Vanette there. It's kind of tough, man. All of a sudden he gets traded away, and uh, you got Luke Wilson in there. Uh, did you play with Luke? Have you crossed paths with him, and or is he uh, is he a guy that you just met? Um, it's funny you said that. I feel like I've, I've met him. I feel like I know him the way everybody talks about him, even though he was gone. But I met him um, as soon as he came in. And, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate about Nick. You know, he was a great guy, great teammate, and, I wish nothing but the best, but, you know, we got Will Disley, and now we have Luke, and I'm sure they'll, they'll um, step up when they need to. But, yeah, Luke has a, a great history here, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know him. All right, Malik. Hey, we really appreciate you taking the time on a Thursday night and uh, talking to us, and best of luck this year. Have a great season, pal. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, appreciate it. There he goes, Malik Turner, wide receiver. You saw it, Bump. He, he started to look like he, he's getting it, you know. And I watched he really him. is. There was, a, there was a route that he ran. I was sitting there doing Seahawks.com, you know, which we all did. And I watched him. I was like, who is that, man? It looked like it was Doug Baldwin or, you know, Tyler Lockett running a route. But it was just the crispness of the route and uh, just the precision. And I'm like, that looked different. Like, I didn't see Malik Turner do that in years past. And it just looked well, like he's turned a corner. You know, I, it, it was funny. I, I don't know if it was the Pittsburgh game or the Cincinnati game. Um, when, you know, Russell had the confidence just to go to whoever that receiver is, right? Yeah. You know, and he's got five catches now for 73 yards. He's averaging 14.6 yards per per catch. I mean, that's big time. You know, he's a big receiver. He's six foot two, two 200 and five pounds, two pounds, whatever. He's over 200. I mean, he's, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that was unheard of. You know, now they're a dime a dozen. But, you know, he is a good-looking athlete. And, you know, Russell trusts him. So more good things from him coming. All right, coming up next on Hawks Live, we'll talk to John Clayton and cover the NFL. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. 
Welcome back to Hawks Live here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Shows every Thursday night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. During the football season, we get started at 7 o'clock. Right now, we got John Clayton. John, what's going on with uh, the, the trade that sent Nick Vanette? Tell us about how that developed and uh, the Seahawks getting a fifth rounder back. And then they end up signing Luke Wilson. It's almost like kind of a wash uh, in my mind, and yeah. they got a fifth rounder out of the deal. Well, it, it, what it turns out to be, and I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't move on Nick, uh, made a move on Luke a couple weeks ago. But this works out perfect because what ended up happening is that his buddy uh, Vance McDonald, who you know when he played together at Rice and ended up taking away his starting job and got a second-round pick out of the San Francisco 49ers, gets hurt last week. And Xavier Grimble, a tight end who was an undrafted guy a few years ago from Pittsburgh, he gets hurt and goes on IR. So now they're down two tight ends. So what ends up happening is that apparently, you know, the net had been in conversations in trade for the last couple of weeks with several teams. And so you, you've got two tight ends that were potentially down in Pittsburgh. And what happened with, with Vance being questionable, and he's going to play this week, but he was questionable at least early in the week. They decided, okay, with Grimble down, we're going to go ahead. We'll make the trade. We'll give a fifth-round pick for Vanette. And then that opens the door for Luke Wilson to be able to come back to Seattle and, you know, basically sign for the minimum in that. So it turned out to be a pretty good situation for Seattle because they get a guy back who they know, gets Techno Thursdays back, all those positive things. And so it turned out to be a big benefit right now for John Snyder and the Seahawks. What do you think Pittsburgh did? I mean, they're 0-3, a fifth-round pick. Yeah. Nick Vanette. I mean, that just seems like an odd trade for them in the middle of the year. Not really because, I mean, they're going for it this year. Remember, they made a Minka Fitzpatrick trade for a first-round pick and much more. Uh, to try to see if they can try to win without uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, they know that, uh, you know, they've got Vance McDonald all banged up. And they want to win this year, I mean, because it's a bad AFC. And so they want to try to do the best they possibly can. And so in, in this case, they basically decided, okay, let's do this and get a guy. Because, remember, Jesse James, who is a pretty good backup tight end, in Pittsburgh ends up going all the way over to Detroit in free agency, getting a big contract, still being a backup. And so they never really replaced him. In fact, I I do a segment in Pittsburgh every week on Wednesday. And I kept on saying, it's like they should sign, you know, basically getting Luke Wilson. They didn't do it. And so now they end up giving a fifth round pick. They don't get Luke Wilson. You know, they end up getting Nick Vanette, who I think is a pretty good tight end. I mean, he blocks okay. He catches okay. He's good enough to be able to start for this team last year. But, uh, no, it was one of those things where it's like they didn't replace Jesse James, and now they replace him. Hey, John, uh, we all know about Chris Carson's uh, fumbling woes. I don't think it's an issue at all. Are you hearing anything about ProSize maybe getting a few more carries this week? Doubt it. I mean, it depends on what happens with Rashad Penny because if Rashad Penny's going to be healthy, then, you know, and again, he's still a little bit trying to go through that hamstring injury. If he's going to be there, he's going to be the backup, and the, the two of them will get the bulk of the carries, and then they'll see what they can do with ProSize. But, of course, if Penny's not going to be there, hey, I mean, if there's going to be one more fumble by Chris Carson, then you're going to see a lot more ProSize. You saw more ProSize you have pretty much in any 
game you've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they've got to get right now Carson going right. And the fumble's got to stop. You know they're concentrating on it. You know their big effort trying to do it. But, uh, no, I think you know, it's still going to be, you know, Carson, Penny, Procise. And depending on how it goes with, uh, you know, Carson, you know, still, as long as the fumbles aren't there, he's going to be there. Arizona, tough schedule so far, 0-2-1. Pretty competitive, though. Yep. You know, what's the, what's the national word on, on how Kingsbury and his system's going to play out? Kingsbury questionable. Uh, Kyler Murray, pretty good. I know that uh, last week he got sacked eight times. It's not a good offensive line. You know, they don't really have much of a running game. And you'll appreciate this, Paul and Dave and all that, and Michael. I mean, this pretty much... In some ways, with the you know the air raid, pro raid, whatever you want to call it, offense, you know it's pretty much the run and shoot. And so the run and shoot, you'll get good yards, 20 to 20, and then you get into the red zone and you stink. You can't get anything going because you have no running game. And you can see the running game is pretty much void right now because you know with you got uh, you know one of the better running backs in the league, David Johnson, who's not, not able to really do much because he's coming out of shotgun. He's not doing much. He's catching the ball really well. I mean, he's up there as far as one of the most as far as, you know, getting throws to him. But, you know, they're not getting the running game. If you don't get the running game, it's hard to score touchdowns in the red zone. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the offense looks okay, but still it's a struggle. But I think Kyler Murray is going to be really good. You know, as long as Jalen Ramsey's still out there and the rumors are going on, and people are going to talk about it, particularly here in the Northwest. Um, what, what's what's going on with that? I know he's, he's uh, expecting a child and everything, but mm-hmm. there, there's more to it than that, I'm sure. Yeah, he wants out of there without question. I mean, it's like he called in on Sunday night and said, I'm going to be sick Monday. And I guess what it is, he's sick of being a Jaguar. And so he wants out. But the problem is they want two first-round picks. I do understand it's like, okay, they may have lowered their demands to a one and a five. That's still too rich for Seattle, too rich for Philadelphia, and some of the other teams that might be interested. But, uh, you know, in the end, I mean, you know, if you get a trade, somehow it works out in the right way, like Jadevian and Clowney, you, you got to consider it for Seattle. One and a five, whatever it's going to be, that's going to be a little bit too much. But, I mean, he gets you closer to Richard Sherman than anything you have currently. So you stay in the game, you kind of wait it out and see where it goes. But in the end, I don't think that you're going to see Jalen Ramsey in Seattle. John, I bet you've been asked about this one because it's the craziest tweet or video I've ever seen. I was Delaney Walker talking about Tennessee and, you know, fire the general manager, the coach. The fans don't deserve this. One, I've never heard anybody go off like that. And two, what's the repercussions from that? Uh, And so he went off and kind of ripped the general manager and the coach. That's not good. Yeah, no, it was it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like that since Buffalo Bills when uh, they were in the process of looking at what they were going on with Rex Ryan. His players on the record ripping him. I've never seen anything like this, and it's like uh, that. That is just so strange because you know Delaney's been pretty much a guy that has been a pretty good citizen in the NFL. I mean, he was a number two tight end in San Francisco, and trying to do that, that's not good. It's not going to get you in good favor with the coach. It's not going to get you in good favor with the general manager. And, you know, I, I know it's frustrating for them to be with a one and two record, but that is just so weird. It, it Tennessee, was, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was he, the most also bizarre so, thing I've, I've ever heard. I've, of never, I, I've never really seen it that de- definitive. And if that's going to be the case, he's not going to be in good stead, particularly with Mike Vrabel, a former player yeah. who is going to be the coach, and reacting to the reaction of a player not happy with management. 
Should did I, should he I he also him? set the pyrotechnic thing on fire too? Is he the one that did that? No, he didn't do that. No, that was that was a they team. had that down there. Yeah, Are that, we going to be able to have the pyrotechnics now? Or? No more. No, no that's we're on the road. But no yeah, more. thanks to uh, really? Tennessee blowing yeah. it up. So should I should I sit Delaney Walker and play Disley instead over my fantasy team? Oh, I, I, well, let's put it this Disley. way: if you look at the Arizona Cardinal defense, it's given up 14 completions in three games to tight ends. Yes. I mean, okay, they're I'm one of the worst teams right as far as you know, covering tight ends. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's been a house of horrors down there. Yeah. Other than they've not lost since Russell's rookie year, mm-hmm. but that's where Super Bowl Forty Nine happened. Right. Will Disley last year tore out his patellar tendon. Three of the Legion, Legion of Boom. Boom went down there. Yeah. Got the middle finger salute mm-hmm. from Earl. They got a tie game that was ugly down there. Yeah, but before but, the Super Bowl, it was fun. Yeah. But Russell <laughs> has actually 11 touchdowns and one interception down there. That's His trips bad. down to the desert. So That's why the, the key is going to run the ball and get out of there clean. That's yeah. the key. All right, Clayton, appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, yep, sounds thanks, good. Thanks, John. There he goes, John Clayton. Uh, coming up next, the three of us, we're going to sit around here and chew the fat, talk about Paul Moyer's theory and why it's so much more dominant than Brock Heward's theory on why they lost well, to the New Orleans what, one's an opinion, Brock, and one studies little, film, and it's a viewpoint. Twitter battle there. Also, we'll talk about the return of uh, Luke Wilson back here in Seattle and Nick Vanette. That's next right here on Hawks Live.